Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi, everybody. This is the Cricket Badger podcast. Each badger marks the track with its own scent. His black legs are short but very powerful for digging. The name badger probably comes from the French word bêche, meaning digger. Hello Cricket Badgers everywhere, welcome along to another edition of the Cricket Badger Podcast. Good to have you with me as we go through this one and the special guest on this edition is Daryl Mitchell, the PCA Chairman, the Worcestershire opening batsman. Had a rather busy time of it over the last few months. Daryl joins me to talk about COVID-19 and the effect on cricket, the 100, racism and of course his playing days and the fact that he hopes to get back on the field this season. A really good interview I think and stay tuned for that one. Thanks to tvsportsblog.com for their support to the Cricket Badger podcast. It is much appreciated. Give them a follow, please, on Twitter at TV Sports Blog. And thanks to you for listening in your ever-increasing numbers. Stay tuned for this one. Get those ears peeled as we welcome Daryl Mitchell to the Cricket Badger podcast. It's that Badger style. Daryl Mitchell, welcome back to the Cricket Badger podcast. How are you, mate? Yeah, I'm very good. Thanks for having me. I, I, I was thinking about you prior to obviously giving you a ring today and... I imagine there's been a few chairmen of the PCA in the past that have probably had not that much to do. You've hit a time in cricket's life where it's a rather busy job, isn't it? Yeah, to say the least, I think. I don't think my eyes were completely wide open going into it, or certainly, I mean, some of the things that have happened are pretty sort of unprecedented, I guess, particularly COVID at the moment. But um, yeah, it's been it's been a, it's been uh, an unbelievable three years, really. I think from a from a time management point of view, it's been testing and stressful at times and um but i think from a an experience point of view and, and and job satisfaction i guess it's been it's been an incredible experience all around and something that um i've thoroughly enjoyed and hopefully i've made uh made a bit of an impact um and and something that it certainly steered me down the, the road i guess of uh sports administration after after my playing days are over so it's something that um i'll certainly look back at the end of this with a at my end of my tenure with is with 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 fond memories, I think. So if I took you about three years, you took, you'd, you'd still say yes to taking it, would you? Knowing what you know now? Uh, yeah, no, definitely. Definitely would still be a, would still be a yes. Um, yeah, it's been a, it's been a magnificent experience. It's been hard work at times, certainly, but um, yeah, it's been, it's been, it's been, been a good experience and something I've really enjoyed. And like I say, it sort of steered me down perhaps a path that I wouldn't have trodden post-cricket that, um, uh, that if I hadn't taken this role. So uh, yeah, no, it's, it's been, it's been great. 
I saw the other day Heather Knight and James Harris are going to be joining you as uh, as vice chairs of the PCA, aren't they? So there's, there's a little bit of uh, strength in numbers there. Yeah, absolutely. I think obviously the way um, the way cricket's going from from a woman's perspective, in, in, in I think we felt at the PCA that we needed some more input from the women's game. And Heather, I mean, is no better qualified than Heather in terms of knowing knowing women's cricket. Um, uh, so her her influence at the board level will be will be huge and, and something that's really welcomed. Obviously, we're taking on um, an extra forty members um, at some point this year when the contracts get issued by the ECB in terms of uh, regional women's cricket as well. So it's 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 very important to get that perspective. Um, and, and James James is obviously a well trodden county professional, been in the game a long time, both for Morgan and now Middlesex. And um, it was felt um, there are differences between. Um, category C venues like Worcestershire, like myself, and, and category A venues, um, test match venues, um, and to get they are different businesses, and to get different perspectives from from across those sort of two two aspects of county cricket, I think is is, is vitally important as well. And um, yeah, James is very very experienced and 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 a, and, a, and a good fella. As I said, it's been a busy time for you, and I guess people interviewing ex PCA chairman, like I say, yeah. In, in steadier times, the, the questions might have been few and far between. Um, but we've had COVID, we've had um, the hundreds. I'm going to come on to racism as well, because I interviewed Michael Carberry the other day, and I, want, I wanted to get your opinion on that too. Um, but let's start with COVID, shall we? Because that's uh, obviously something that's affected everybody listening. It's been horrific. It's been quite scary at times. Everybody's been in lockdown. And cricket. it's a worry for cricket, isn't it? Because... Obviously, while there's no cricket being played, there's no money coming into the game, and and that's a major, major challenge for the sport. Yeah, it's been, I mean, it's been a challenge for everything, hasn't it? Um, cross industries, cross sports, um, and cricket's no different. It's been um, there's going to be a huge gap in finances come come the end of this year. How big that 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 hole is 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 probably depends a lot on how much of this international cricket schedule they get away over the next sort of three months. I think things are certainly looking a lot more positive now. Uh, with international cricket and domestic cricket potentially than than they were three, four, five weeks ago. I mean, it's such a fast moving thing. But hopefully, West Indies are now in the country. They can get some international cricket away as of eighth of July. I think there's a strong possibility of uh, could obviously heavily dependent on the uh, on the R rate and then no second spike. But it's a possibility of some domestic county cricket. Um, through August and September as well, so things things are, are looking more positive, and just fingers crossed that we can get get cricket away, get revenue into the game, and and get players playing again. I don't expect you to talk me through it every single day and every single conversation you've had, but what's been your involvement in all of that? How how have how deeply do you um, get involved in the conversations? Um, pretty pretty heavily, um, yeah, pretty heavily. I think obviously I've just come off a, a ECB cricket committee meeting actually, which obviously discusses a lot of the uh, events. Um, and, and the plans moving forward. Um, obviously, all around the, the player player cuts that have happened for both April and May, and now the, the deal that's been done, the collective agreement has been done for June and July as well. So I'm obviously heavily involved in that. Um, trying to keep the player reps as, as, as informed from a PCA side as best I can, and then vice versa. Obviously, trying to get as much information from them as what's going on at their counters and, and with their players stuff. Um, and feed that back to the PCA. So it, it, it's almost been a full-time job, to be honest, in the last sort of um, three months. And um, yeah, although it's been in, been challenging and, and stressful, there's certainly been a little bit of lost sleep here and there. It's been certainly something I look back on 
down the line, I think, with with a bit of pride and, and the way cricket in general has gone about things so far, I think it's been has been very good and very sort of collaborative. Let's just step back a second. Um, PCA stands for Professional Cricket Association. You're the chairman of that. As you say, the, each of the, the various clubs around the country have got their respective reps who have you know the players in their dressing room report to them. Does it is it as simple as that? The players report to their rep, and the rep reports to you. Is that how it works, or is there something a little bit more to it than that? No, that's. I mean, that's the crux of it. I mean, in terms of voting and stuff, each county rep gets one vote if, if there's anything to vote on. Um, plus the England England women's rep as well, uh, Kate Cross at the moment. So that's how it sort of works. I mean, we, we've got a wider a wider group on WhatsApp, which has got various senior players, so some counties might have three or four representatives in that group where, where topics are discussed. Um, at the moment, obviously, there's no... Um, we, we were fortunate enough to get the AGM away, which had 30-odd members at um, player summits at the end of every season. It's probably unlikely to happen this year, so there's a lot of conversations around Zoom. Um, as well as the player reps at East County, we've also got uh, personal and welfare managers, so they're our sort of footmen on the ground from a PCA perspective, if you like. Um, they will canvas opinions of whole dressing rooms as well. They're regularly talk, talking to players on a daily basis. Um, so there is a bit more to it, but in, in, in a nutshell, effectively, yeah, the, the reps the reps control the PCA. They're the members of the player committee. They're the ones that have the have the power and vote on things. Um, and their 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 role is to canvas their dressing rooms and, and vote on behalf of their dressing room, effectively. I I mean, this is from my perspective, but I guess the the subjects that have been raised around COVID have been. <laughs> money and obviously you know, with no money coming in people will be worried about their incomes and safety if if cricket comes back how can it be guaranteed that they're going to be okay is that is that a general gist or is there, is there other things yeah absolutely um, i think i think we, we very early on we we came up with some, some sort of core principles if you like and the first one being health health safety and well-being of everyone is paramount um obviously players in from our, our side in particular but Again, across the wider game as well, we obviously got a number of coaches who are members, PCA members as well. But and just generally trying to, we have to do the right thing to protect everyone's health, safety, and well-being. I think that's priority number one. Um, and then there's obviously recognising the fact that there's a, there is a collective impact. The game as a whole um, is impacted by COVID, and everyone in it is impacted as well. And it's recognising and understanding that. And then forming sort of some sort of unified response, which I think the game's done very well. Actually, I think we've worked well with the ECB, with the counties, um, to try and make sure cricket um, cricket comes out the best it possibly can at, at the other side of this. And obviously, there's still still steps to be taken with that. It's still, we're still not, we're nowhere near there yet. But hopefully, uh, when we do get past the other side of COVID, the game will be in as good a shape as as possible. And and hopefully, it's the PCA have, have played their part in that, along with the ECB and the counties. One of the things you've got in your favour and, and one of the things I've always thought about cricket is that cricketers, generally speaking, are, are pretty sound guys, aren't they? Um, fairly sensible and fairly um, open to uh, discussions and, and what have you, which I imagine, imagine is a massive benefit in your role that uh, most of the guys that you're speaking to are pretty reasonable. Yeah, the, I mean, the discussion around um, the player cuts, for example, is, is one definite example. The response has been incredibly mature. Obviously, nobody in the world wants to take a pay cut. Nobody would ever choose to do that. But I think the the reality of the impact on the game and, and playing our part in that morally is the right thing to do. And that generally shone across in all the discussions we've had with the player reps and, and, and wider wider group as well. Um, and and the, the other aspect of that was 
from the player reps point of view is making sure we do everything we possibly can to, to look after our members that are, are most vulnerable in these times. There's 134 players out of contract this year. Um, and the and not many of those are reps, actually. But um, the overriding thought across the reps was that let's make sure we look after those guys as best we possibly can. Um, I think the reality is we, we normally lose 40 to 50 members a year out the game uh, through being released or retired. I think the, the, the chances are that that number will be significantly higher this year and we need to put as much in place as we possibly can um, to, to protect those guys. A, A, keep as many jobs as we can and then B, provide some sort of safety net if it's all possible to to, to ease that transition out the game, if if, if that has that has occurred for those that are unfortunate to to be losing losing their jobs at their respective counties. PCA does some some brilliant work. The Benevolent Fund um, looks after kind of ex-retired cricketers at, at, in various um, states of need. Um, the work around mental health has been really good as well, hasn't it? I've heard a lot of cricketers say that, and I guess you know this summer there's there's been no more greater need for those kind of things to be in place because people are going to be struggling out there. Yeah, absolutely. I think we, we initially there was actually a, a sort of a little bit of a downtrend in terms of mental health and, and people taking up our services and then a bit of a lull and then obviously it, it, it sort of spiked again in, in, in recent weeks. So, yeah, it's it, it's paramount. To, uh, it's an offering that is really important to us. Obviously, the confidential helpline, uh, the, the, there is someone you can call up whatever situation you're in at 24-7. Um, that's a really important thing. Um, and then the treatments and, and services we provide around mental health are obviously vital to those those members that take take it up. So yeah, I think we've created a lot of awareness over the years, and I think most players are, are understanding a, a, a bit more about mental health than perhaps they were five, ten years ago, and um, and utilising our services, which are which are vital and a lifeline to, to so many at the moment. And, and the benevolent fund, the, the kind of the retired players who maybe are, are ill or needing some, some assistance. They're probably even more in need now because they can't get out. They can't get quite as much help as they maybe used to. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, the the the, the benevolent fund actually rebranded as the Professional Cricketers Trust um, over the last sort of eighteen months or so. I think it was, and uh, yeah, it, it provides vital services not not only to uh, former players but current players as well who mm-hmm. who have fallen in hard times, um, elements of bereavement and and things like that, um, hardship, um, addiction. Um, so across the board, really various subjects, but yeah, it provides a it provides a brilliant service. Again, it's players past and and, and present safety net and, and there to help when when things do happen. Obviously, at the initial start of COVID, there was a lot of inquiries of sort of self-employed coaches who who didn't fall into the government furlough schemes and things like that, who were, who were worried about mortgage payments and stuff. So, um, yeah, we've we've had a lot of requests. Unfortunately, um difficulty this year a lot of the fundraising is based around events uh, and the PCA events that um, go on I think the reality is that the PCA events won't happen this year or certainly the vast majority of them won't happen this year so there's a huge gap in fundraising of about quarter of a million pounds I think uh, that we've got to try and make up and try and get revenue streams from other areas to, to try and sort of bridge that gap but but the organisation itself the PCT is, is a magnificent organisation and, and really does affect people people's lives in a positive way and in, in some cases certainly it, it saved lives over the, over, over the years The Cricket Budget Podcast is brought to you in association with tvsportsblog.com give them a follow on Twitter at tvsportsblog 
excellent sporting content, it's well worth a look and give them a follow on Twitter at TV Sports Blog. When it comes to coming back to playing, obviously England and West Indies are, are, are already preparing for that three test match series behind closed doors in a bio bubble and all of the other phrases that we're starting to learn as being um, common phrases in our language that we never really thought we'd never need. And to talk about you know the county game possibly coming off the back of that if everything goes well with the test series. Has it been 100% from players that they're, they're willing to play behind closed doors, willing to play in bio bubbles and willing to maybe risk um, possible infection or how, have there been people that have uh, maybe stepped away from that? No, I think from, a, from the England perspective, certainly, I think it's been 100%. I've not heard of anybody who's who's opted out. There is that option. Uh, all players have had the option of, of not opting to this, the uh, to be in that 55 and then with no, no risk and no consequences. I think the same certainly needs to be put in place for, for county cricketers. Um, as well, when that does return, when we do return to training and then eventually playing, I think I think the over overwhelming feedback I'm getting is people are they want to turn, return to training yesterday, let alone in the next couple of weeks. I think they're desperate to get back, desperate to get playing. I think that's the overwhelming um, feeling from uh, cricket watchers as well. <laughs> they just want to see yeah, some cricket play. Certainly, certainly for the players as well. But I think we just have to be mindful. We're doing a piece of work at the minute around. Uh, using the personal and welfare managers around the county, just getting some feedback on is there is there is there players that do have reservations about going back training and playing? Is there is there players with, uh, for example, vulnerable uh, people in their household that are shielding? Is there is there players with underlying health issues that have, have concerns need to be addressed? Um, and and as obviously as a PCA, we'll support all those players. I think there needs to be a game wide approach to that though. I think there needs to be understanding from counties and. As well, if there are if there are issues, if there are problems with going back to training or playing, there needs to be a, a game wide understanding of that, and and no repercussions if players do do opt out. But I, I must stress, I haven't actually heard of any specific examples of that at all yet. Mm. Uh, but I'd be very surprised if there if there aren't a few around the around the country that I, I don't have reservations to go about. And we've seen it in football, haven't we? The high profile ones, Troy Deeney and. And Kante from Chelsea. I think that I'd be surprised if there's none in county cricket. To be perfectly and we, honest, we, we obviously saw the three the three West Indians who, who t- turned down the opportunity to tour, didn't they? And quite understandably, you know, you, you can't. I don't think anybody would hold anything against anybody in, in this current situation. But I, I was thinking, you know, if, if you're a player and your board says to you, "It's fine," you know, turn down this opportunity. We won't hold it against you. But you do run the risk, don't you, that somebody else gets the shirt and does absolutely brilliantly in your career goes back a step anyway. Yeah, I mean, I, that, that is a risk, isn't it? I mean, that, that happens when people get injured, doesn't it? You, you can get injured, uh, break a finger, be out for three weeks and the, the young pretender comes in and, and scores back-to-back hundreds and that's you sat on the sidelines for eight weeks rather than the three. That's that's the reality of sport, isn't it? And there is a risk to that. But um, like I say, I think there has to be that option yeah. um, for the player. And I think that both... PCA and the counties need to support those players with with any issues along those lines. Is it too early to ask you this question? But what what has the PCA, what has cricket learnt from COVID? Because uh, I've heard a lot of people say that you know, this is a really good chance for businesses to you know to take a little bit of a step back and look around and and work out what they need to do in the future rather than um, a busy cricket season just is all consuming and, and consumes everything and all of a sudden it's September and, and the summer's gone. But have you had the opportunity to maybe just kind of step back and think, oh, maybe we could go down this route or we could do something differently? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, from, a, from a cricket perspective, I think probably cricket this year is probably more about 
when we do get back, it's more about survival. It's more about opportunity. It's more about the well-being and aspects of the game rather than the sort of not win it all cost. Because I don't think that is part of the game, but but the winning is obviously very much the focus. Performance is very much the focus. Kicking your best elevens and getting them out there to try and win trophies. I, I think this possibly provides an opportunity. I mean, we've, we've talked about state of first-class wickets. We've talked about the opportunity for spin bowlers to, to bowl in the overs and producing our, our quality young English spin bowlers. I think this potentially provides an opportunity. If there is some Red Bull cricket in August and September, which isn't for a county championship, there's no specific prize money. Is it an opportunity to play on some really good test-quality wickets where results aren't paramount and, and chuck, chuck the ball to your left arm, young left arm spinner. Can he go and bowl 30 over the day? Those sort of things, I think, it might produce an opportunity to to give there be less overseas players, if any overseas players in this year, which again might provide opportunities for young players. Um, so I, I think there is opportunities in the, in the last couple of months of season to have a little bit of an experiment in these in these sort of different different conditions that we sort of have been forced upon us, I guess. Well, one of the things I always think with cricket is, I mean, people talk about county games not having any any spectators. It's it's a really annoying joke for me when when you talk about cricket being played behind closed doors and people come up with the county championship. Well, nobody ever goes to it anyway, so it's it be no different. Well, of course it will because there's, there's plenty of county fans, but it, it's a, it's a chance for cricket to maybe try a, a few things out with um, the county game, isn't it? In terms of trying to engage with a with an at home audience because. Yeah, you, you may see 2,000 people in a ground at a county game, but you know damn well that there's people at their desks at work and there's other people following those matches. It's maybe a chance to, I hate the word monetize, but actually maybe get customers from people that from, that aren't having, haven't traven't been cricket customers. Yeah, absolutely. I know sort of some counties have, have, have dabbled in the streaming side of things, haven't they? And I think Somerset probably led the way in that with the the streaming, the quality of the cameras and and, 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 and what they produce in terms of, of, of content. Um, and it's an opportunity for other counties to try and catch up with that and maybe go beyond, isn't it? And I think, um, obviously, the, the BBC do do commentaries on most games, if not all games, I think. So that's something that can be utilised as well and try and get into the homes and, and generate that, that slightly wider audience. I think it is an opportunity, right? And then, um, but to do that, I think there needs to be an element of investment in terms of the quality of the cameras and, and things as well. So it'd be interesting to see what sort of line the counties take going into these, these, these last couple of months of the season. Let's move on to the 100. Um, and I've been quite vocal against the 100 in my time. It's, I'm not the, the biggest fan of it. And I have always worried that it's uh, it, it could potentially, you know, look further down the line, compromise the 18 counties. And I didn't necessarily think there was a need for a fourth format. But... Obviously, the hundred's been shelved for a season um, because of COVID. It's now programmed to come in 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 twenty twenty one. Do you think that's that's a, the right way forward? Were you involved in the discussions in that? Do you think the hundred can still thrive and still come come through for the game, or is, have have you got any concerns with that? From a county's perspective, I think that extra one point three million they're getting is, is a bit of a, a lifeline at the moment. From that, I think originally it wasn't that wasn't for the hundred, was it? It was for a, a an eight team. 2020 competition. I think the reason the 100 came in was to try and protect the counties a little bit and try and protect the blast in particular. Yeah, I mean, it's there is big question marks over it. I don't think anyone could deny that. Um, I think it's it's something that will come in next year. I think there's any doubt about that. It's a great opportunity for players to to have added to their income. Certainly, those um, 120 players that are going to be involved, obviously, and then they're overseas and that. But the 120 players that are involved, it's it's a great competition. I think you asked any 
player, whether they want to be involved or not be involved. I think it was shown by how many people entered the draft that there was a desire to be involved and people aspire to play in that competition. Um, what that looks like next year is, is again, probably up for debate. What cricket in general looks like next year is, is probably going to be up for debate and conversations are going to be had, no doubt, once we've got this season out of the way, whatever that looks like, come sort of October time, I'd imagine the, the whole sort of structure of county cricket and the finances will, will, will be up in the air and hopefully get more clarity on, on what the financial situation looks like, depending on how much cricket's played this year. As I say, I was, I was anti the 100, but I actually came round to the... I did a... A podcast with Kevin Hand, the um, BBC Middlesex commentator. We both had the same kind of journey through the 100, where we were against it, we were against it, we were against it. And then all of a sudden, you know, money coming out of the game this summer, COVID-19, maybe the 100 could actually be something where we can get it on television and get some games on and, and you know, actually get some money into the game. And I, I was a, kind of a little bit confused why, if, if the 100 is the answer for cricket, why wasn't it used at the end of this season? Yeah, it's difficult to disagree with that. I mean, I understand where you're coming from. Um, I guess the, the ECB felt that it wasn't the right environment to launch a new competition. I mean, the old idea was to get new people involved, fill ground, get get that sort of family atmosphere around big test match venues. And obviously, with no no crowds allowed, that's sort of never going to happen, I guess. So I think, I mean, I can understand both sides of the argument, to be honest. We're risking absolutely sitting on the fence. But, <laughs> but um, yeah, I get your point. But also, I think I get where the ECB coming from, from a commercial enterprise and trying to generate interest in the game and, and trying to get new people involved. It, it's difficult to do that in a, in a ground with no, with no people in, I guess. So, so I, I can understand both sides of the argument for that. I've always thought there was just other ways of doing that, that the ECB could have used the existing T20, but that, that's probably for another podcast. But I mean, from what you, you mentioned, the players and wanting to be involved in the 100, that's one of the things I've never been um, kind of conflicted on at all. If I was a player, I'd want to earn as much as I could. I want to play in as many competitions as I could. I want to play you know, in the 100. It wouldn't be a, ever, ever be a debate for me in my mind. So I can totally understand why, why your members want to get involved in a new competition and earn some cash. Yeah, I think, I think there was an initial scepticism the same around the format itself and how that was going to work and I think obviously T20 is played all around the world and, and players aspire to play in IPL with big fashion etc play international T20 cricket as well so I think there was question marks around the format but I think sort of the, the trial games and I played in three out of five I think it was or something along those lines and, and many other players did as well I think the general feedback was that it is Skill set is identical to T20 cricket. Okay, they're in blocks of five rather than six. Yeah. Um, in terms of overs, um, but I think that's when still, I last spoke to you actually when you you came the on the batting, podcast sometime around that time when you'd been involved in the trial yeah, games at Trembridge. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean the batting. You still want people who can hit it out of the park. You still want bowlers who can you can nail their yorkers and slow balls, and you still want gun fielders, don't you? I think the, the skill set is is pretty much identical, and maybe just in a in a very slightly condensed condensed format and I think in my my opinion the the reasons for going to the 100 was to try and protect the T20 blast uh, rather than the need for a fourth, fourth tournament and I think it was to try and protect the county T20 competition and uh, and the fact that it, it fits nicely into a TV um, two and a half hour slot is probably an extra extra bonus Fed up of collecting your team's matchday subs? Worried about carrying cash post-COVID-19? Try slateapp.co.uk. Less contact than contactless. Slate, the smartest way to collect weekly match fees and more. Download the app, slateapp.co.uk. 
www.cricketbeat.co.uk. Not just for cricket, any clubs that collect subs. It just makes sense. Stick it on the slate. Slateapp.co.uk. I've always been an advocate of the 18 counties, um, whether it be test match grounds, whether it be some of the, the so-called smaller counties and, and what have you. In, in your role at the PCA, have you um, got any concerns about the viability, especially after this summer with no money coming in? Are, are there any any um, potential um, counties going under or do you think they're all going to be okay? I, I think the reality is there's concerns about all 18. I think it's not, it's not just the smaller counties that have come under pressure financially as well. I think obviously... Those, those counties that have diversified their revenues, you think of the, the grounds with big hotels, etc., conferencing facilities, and they've, they've diversified their business and effectively the phone stopped ringing overnight and none of those facilities that they've taken on massive debts with are, are being utilised and they're not generating the revenue. Obviously, Lancashire reported record profits last year and then all of a sudden everything that generated those profits is, is, is stopped sort of overnight so that there's, there's pressures across all 18 counties but what I would say I think all of these clubs um, have got somewhere around 150 years of history uh, plus um, they've been through two world wars um, and, and I think there is the desire and I think there is the will for, for them to continue and I think they'll they'll come back strong and, and live through COVID-19 as well is my, is my opinion but I certainly think there's a lot of work to be done in, 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 in to make sure that happens. I mean, you mentioned Lancashire there. I mean, they're a really good example of a high high turnover club, aren't they? But as you say, from all different kinds of, of revenue, they, they hire out their car parks, don't they, for Manchester United matches. They have rock concerts. They've got um, hospitality events all the way through the calendar. They've got all kinds of things going on there. The hotel, as you mentioned, plus the cricket. And all of those things have suddenly stopped. That That isn't a model that you can really forecast or look forward to as a, as a business in a business plan is it yes no, that, that word unprecedented which i hate and i've heard all, all the way through but it, it isn't unprecedented it's a completely unique situation yeah absolutely i think these, these the clubs that have diversified their businesses and have these sort of competition events businesses on the side and, and as well as cricket have done absolutely the right thing they made themselves 365 day a year businesses um, and as, as a result of, of COVID-19, which is obviously no no fault of their own, all that business is stopped dead um, and, 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 excuse, and causing huge issues as a result. I mean, you take some of the smaller counties where the, if they can gar- get guaranteed the, the 3 million, circa 3 million from the ECB, that's probably 66% of their, of their turnover. Um, when you look at some of the bigger counties, it's probably less than 10% of their turnover. So, yeah, it's... It, it is unprecedented. I know you don't like that word, but I'm going to use it again. But um, yeah, it's it's a remarkable situation and, and something that hopefully we'll never have to live through again as well. So uh, it's all about trying to keep the lights on at all 18 counties and, and, and hopefully we can all move on stronger in the in the post-COVID world. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed indeed. Let's move on to the, the racism side of stuff. Um, I interviewed Michael Carberry, obviously the George Floyd stuff. I mean, ra- racism, racism racist etc are um, making the headlines all over the place marches etc etc so it's uh, it's big news at the moment but I interviewed Michael Carberry the other day he you, you'll know um, from your um, you'll have played against him many a times yeah absolutely. He, he basically I asked him the question um, what it's like to be a black man in the UK and he said racism all the way through and then I said what about cricket and he said in his opinion um, racism is rife in cricket you obviously are you know, you, re- you represent the players, you represent 
all different um, races of players throughout the English county game. Is that something you've picked up there? I mean, what, what's the what's the protocol? I mean, I'm sure you've got races and protocols in place. And ha, ha, do you get many reports? Is it is it something that you pick up on, or is it something? I mean, one of the things that Michael said is there's a he's quite outspoken. He admits that. And he said, you know, when, when he gets a, a bee in his bonnet, he, he speaks about it. There is a temptation, though, for um, people from the BAME community to maybe just take it on the chin, um, for want of a better phrase, sit in the corner of a dressing room and, and bite their tongue and, and not report things. Is, is that something that cricket needs to really look at? Yeah, I mean, I think if anything's come out of the, the George Floyd situation, I think, I mean, I've taken a long, long look at myself. I mean, I, I don't probably don't know enough is the honest answer we can all learn we can all educate ourselves better around around the scenario i'm a, close to a, a middle-aged white man who, who who probably doesn't understand necessarily where carbs and, and other people from that background are coming from all the time I, I think. honestly mate i i felt completely out of my depth interviewing him I, I can talk to anybody about cricket all day long but starting to talk to carbs about racism i did feel out of my depth and i, I consider myself to be reasonably bright and fairly well read and i, I said to him pressing before pressing record you know that i had these concerns and i said you know it's um do i do i feel right talking about racism as a white middle class um, bloke and he said, "Yeah, but this is for everybody. This isn't just for black people. This is, you know, all of us should be talking about this, and we should all be trying to understand each other's cultures, and we should all be trying to talk about this subject. The more it's talked about, probably the more chance there is of actually understanding people and, and trying to solve it." Yeah, I mean, I think I think the things that I've taken from this sort of last week or so, two weeks, is, is things like unconscious bias and white privilege, and it's certainly areas that I need to educate myself more about. And I think it's. If I do, I think certainly the whole of cricket needs to as well. And I think we've, the PCA have done a, a podcast with Carbs himself, actually, Mark Butcher, Ishiguha, uh, Dean Headley, um, that should be coming out in the next couple of days, I'd imagine, on, on these very subjects. So I think that's that's a step in the right direction. I, I think PCA can and look to educate its members more, certainly. I think we've, we've, done, we've done bits, um, but I think we can push it further. I think we can go more. I think we can get a better understanding of the whole issue. And I think we can interact with our with our BAME members better as well and do more with them. Why not get a, get a focus group together? Why not speak to your, your, your Michael Carberry's more, your, your, your Chris Jordan's, your, your Joffrey Archer's, your Moen Alley's, et cetera. Why not get their perspective on things and, and ask them the question, what can we do more? What can the PCA do more to support you and, and support um, ethnic minorities? One of the things Carb said was, um, he, he said, you know, quite understandably, he spent a long time thinking about this. He, you know, he started off by saying, this is just another day in the life of a black man. You know, this happens all the time. But he did say, you know, this isn't going to change until black people within the sport or within the country get to get some of the top jobs and actually start to influence policy and start to influence how, how things are done. And if you, if you look around cricket, it's very white or white dominated, isn't it? Particularly in the upper echelons of the game. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It is certainly. I think probably vast majority of sports. I think you could probably say that as well. So I well, think, there I think is, there probably is, every yeah. single walk of life is, isn't it? And you know, you look at yeah, the, absolutely. Look at the cabinet. Sport, you look at the sport is, is generally a reflection on society, isn't it? There is certainly work to be done with society, and there's certainly a lot of work that can be done in all sports. And, and cricket is no different. So, like you say, I think getting that representation in. Obviously, on the field in terms of playing for England, stuff we've got, I suppose some some leaders in that field in terms of Joffrey Archer and, and Mo and Ali. But coaching is is an area that, that we're lacking. I mean, how many black or Asian? 
coaches are there out in the county game. Um, can't think of too many off the top of my head. I can think of some former ones, but again, and then representations at, at, at board level, whether that's PCA, ECB, diversity of boards and, and exec, senior executives is, is another issue, I think, is something that the game can improve on. Probably one of the issues in professional cricket is actually the number of black players certainly has decreased. I think probably Asian players is, has probably increased. Just from off the top of my head, I don't know any figures, but and I, I would say, having been part of the professional game for 18 years, whatever it is, I'd say that the black players, the numbers would have decreased, I'd have thought, over over, over that period of time. Um, and you need to look at probably look at grassroots, schools cricket, inner city cricket, from an ECB perspective, is, is, is there being enough done there to encourage encourage players to come through the systems in, into county cricket on that, on that front? Let's get away from all those subjects. Let's talk to Daryl Mitchell, the cricketer. Take your PCA hat off. You've signed and through until next year, haven't you, as uh, as Worc- Worcestershire? Yeah, that's right. You've obviously had an awful lot on your plate, as we've just been talking about, but how um, much are you looking forward to getting back on ball again and actually starting to play cricket? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I last picked up a bat Tuesday, I think, of Cheltenham week. Whatever that was, probably middle of March, was it, I suppose? So it's, it's a long time since. I, I saw your little video on the, the first day of what the season should have been when you're in the back garden walking yeah, out in your yeah. whites and it was, that was just oh, wishful yeah, thinking, was wasn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was, uh, my, my six-year-old son got me at OBW giving out by my four-year-old <laughs> daughter, I think, on that occasion. Yeah, it's been a long time. I think, obviously, I guess the, the weather's been a bit of a godsend with two young children and getting out in the garden. Uh, the weather's been amazing, really, for the sort of first part of the season, but it does make you think, I oh, can't remember it. Batting conditions like this before in a, in, a, in the county cricket season, so uh, yeah, no, I think I'm just desperate, like all cricketers, to to get back to doing what I love doing, and that's training, playing, probably getting around the country and spending time in hotels might be a bit far fetched as, as an idea this year, and and and, and getting around the country, but um, yeah, just want to get back playing, get back feeling leather on on Willow, and, and enjoying the sport that we sort of all grew up loving. I know the PCA chairman can't do anything about the weather, but you just mentioned that, you know, we've had, it's been cracking the flags, hasn't it? From the start of the season until now. And as soon as we start to mention getting cricket back again, the weather is broken and uh, we've got rain. I can't remember though, a season where, we, we, I don't think we would have had a single rained off day up until now, would we? That That's, uh, yeah, that word again, unprecedented. Yeah, I think it's, I think I saw the weather the other day, the sunniest spring ever, sunniest May ever or something. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it'd been perfect perfect cricket conditions wasn't it so but I guess you can't do anything about that let's just uh, if we get a bit of bad weather out of the way now in, in the interim hopefully by the time we do get out there in August that the, the sun shining we back and we can get as much cricket in as we possibly can I've had Kevin Sharp on the podcast I've had Alan Richardson on the podcast the Worcestershire players are coming on reasonably regularly these days and um, all in decent spirits. You've all been kind of talking to each other, I know, on uh, WhatsApp groups and keeping each other amused. And you've done a few bits for charity as well. I know Alan, when I was speaking to him, he'd, he'd been on a run and he was finishing off the, the, the running that you were doing. It, it, what's the mood like at Worcestershire? You, you kept yourself happy? Yeah, pretty pretty positive, actually. I mean, obviously, we're quite a, quite, quite a close-knit group. It, um, I think there's four of us just in my village, actually. So we all live there. Uh, Keep waving to each other as we as we ride by on our bikes or as we as we run around the village trying to keep relatively fit. Uh, but yeah, the, obviously technology these days is 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 pretty good um, in terms of WhatsApp groups. There's a lot of uh, friendly banter still going on there. Obviously, Zoom calls. We've been having uh, been having a quiz on a Friday night with 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 all the guys, which has been big good fun. And then, and you mentioned the rapid relay we did in in aid of Acorns Children's Hospice was was a brilliant week. Actually, brought everyone together, both from from the playing side, coaches, office staff, 
the women's rappers as well. And um, yeah, that that was a really really good fun fun week for for a worthwhile cause. So we've been trying to put our trying to put our time to time to good use. And um, I think the spirits are spirits are still relatively high and 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 are good, but. I think we're all desperate to, to get back together and, and start training and playing as soon as possible. Who are the eggheads in the Worcestershire dressing room? Who's been winning the quiz? Harrison Seed's actually been for all, I, I mean, I, I'm a bit dubious. I think he's probably got Google on in front of him somewhere, <laughs> to be perfectly honest. But he, he, he seems to always be at the top, Ross Stewart. So, he, yeah, he's a, him and his, uh, his, his girlfriend are, uh, are pretty smart. So, they're, they're, they're the outstanding candidates so far. It's been great to catch up with you. I know, um, yeah, some of the subject matters that we've spoken about haven't been the, the most positive in the world, but I think we're starting to get there, aren't we, in, in terms of cricket and in terms of life in general. Hopefully there isn't that second spike and we can all get back to some kind of whatever this new normal brings. But thanks for, thanks for your time again, um, Daryl Mitchell. Thanks for joining me. No, thanks, thanks for having me. Like I say, I think it's uh, certainly light at the end of the tunnel. Let's hope we can get out there as soon as possible. Fingers crossed, let's hope so. It's that Badger style. Thanks very much to Daryl for joining me on the Cricket Badger podcast today. Thanks to you for listening as well. Thanks to tvsportsblog.com for their support of the podcast. Give them a follow on Twitter at tvsportsblog. And tune in next time because it is a rather special edition. It's the 150th episode of the Cricket Badger podcast. I can't believe we got this far and still going strong. Boosted by lockdown, but I'm excited. And you probably guess who I'm going to get on for the 150th edition. It's that man Dan Norcross. He's joined me for the 50th, the 100th. So we might as well get him back in for the 150th. And we're going to pick our 10 things to change with cricket to make cricket better. Debate those. I know Dan's picked one at least that I don't agree with. So we'll see how that goes when I record that in a couple of days' time. But thanks for you for getting the Cricket Badger podcast this far. There wouldn't be much point in doing it, would there, if there wasn't anybody listening to it? Thanks for your comments. Please like it, subscribe to it, and leave some nice comments on whatever platform you listen to it on. And I'll see you next time. Joined by Norkers on the next edition of the Cricket Badger podcast. Cheers all. Podcast Network.